Warning, this podcast is rated F'd up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. And we're back to another exciting installment of the Macabre Academy with our good friend and headmistress, the lovely Steph. I mean, am I lovely? I'd, I'd like to think that I'm, I'm a cunt with a gooey center and I'm borderline a hairless cat at this point. Didn't, haven't we talked about gooey center a few times on this podcast? Yes. I just okay. like to say the word cunt, as I said in the previous episode, so I wanted to slip it back in there. Ironic. Yeah. And hey, by the way, guess who that is? It's the speaking that we didn't introduce yet. So who is it? Introduce yourself, sir. Says Eric. There you go. Says Eric. He, for some fucking reason, decided to come back. We have not scared him away with their true crime case. We're trying our best, though. Yeah, really. I, I ghost hunt for fun. It's very difficult to frighten me. Although the last time I was afraid was yesterday driving to McKeesport. So what happened? A friend needed a ride and just said McKeesport. And I was like, all right. And then as we're getting the closer, it's in the projects. Oh, okay. Maybe be a little more clear next time. Hey, Kev, you got, a, you got any more current events for us? I do. And this one is slightly less fun than the last one. The lovely state of Georgia, which is here in the United States, not the one that's in... The peach? Not, in, not, not the one in Europe, the one in, the one in the United States, has decided that they don't like certain people voting. And in order to keep these people from voting, they're going to do some different things. One of which is now it's illegal to give somebody waiting in line to vote either food or water. What? I think calm. I'm sure. I'm sure this is not the first of many disenfranchising laws that are coming down the pike for people who primarily vote Democrat as opposed to Republican. Wait, I don't I'm understand. Sure. Wait, because when I went to the poll, I was like in and out in like seven minutes. Yes, you also also live in a predominantly white area. Me, no. You live in an area where they're not trying to suppress your vote. They're going to, from what I read, and I haven't fact-checked it, but from what I read, they're going to limit places to poll so that the lines will be longer to try and keep people from wanting to wait in lines. Oh, okay. Like, there's some places where people who are not of the skin tone of this podcast have waited eight, ten hours in line to vote. And now in Georgia, it is illegal to give them food or water. Can they bring their own food and water? Can you, like, have snacks in your book bag? Do you know this ahead of time? See, what, what I'm thinking, and this is just me being a capitalist, is I'm going to open up food trucks at these polling places. Wouldn't you lose your place in line, though? Or would you get your food before you got in line? Be like, hey, there's a snack. Well, I'm not giving it to them. They're purchasing it, and then I have someone bring it to them. Oh, smart. A little loophole. The other loophole is that you have a religious figure come in and bless everything, so it is no longer food and drink. It is religious sacraments, which are not barred under the law. Yes, I could go for some 
holy blessed soda pop sacrament. I'd, I'd be down. So yeah. 100%. That's the current bullshit that is happening in the country. So. Yay. I also need to move this window over so I can keep an eye on the score of the game. Well, while you're doing that, Eric, can you summarize part one since it's been a week for people? We were talking about Elizabeth Smart, 14-year-old girl who was abducted from her home at Knife Point um, by, we'll say, a less than stable individual. He had a mountain man written all over him, and he decided that it would be a good idea to take her as a wife, even though she biologically was not a woman yet, to by her own admission. But he figured she you know, would make a good wife, and then eventually the children would come as he wants to be fruitful and multiply. And so he took to repeatedly raping her, kept her hostage. She eventually was allowed to go into the town where she was from, but she had to have a veil on. And lots of people saw her and lots of people did nothing. He is a lot better at the summarizing thing than I am. Also, Afghan warning on this one also. If you're you're triggered by uh, sexual assaults and things like that, Go back and listen to the Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode and the Nirvana episode. And there's also this lovely ghost hunting episode where they had. This yes, movie. the ghost hunting episode is also a great one. Uh, the I pirate episode. You can also listen to the pirate episode. Yeah, pillage and plunder is much better than rape, but I'm pretty sure they raped some people. Yes, but we don't talk about it. Because they're pirates and everybody loves pirates. I did like. They're just the after new, the booty. The new. Um, they are. The new. Uh, series limited series that was on one of the streaming services that dealt with piracy it was quite good is that the pirate documentary on netflix well they don't pay us so i wasn't gonna plug them no okay so i'm supposed to watch that and i have not watched it yet so don't ruin it for me all i said was it was good yeah just um, nothing else that's actually why I made the Kraken cake. If you're on my Instagram, was is I was supposed to sit down with a with a man and watch it, and we wound up not letting me watch the documentary, so that didn't happen. It was a lot of conversating, so now I have to go back and rewatch the documentary. Did he release the Kraken? Is what you're saying? No, I'm saying we sat down and talked oh. over the sushi that I also no. got. For the day. That's what you kids are calling it these days. No, it was legit sushi, and that's why I couldn't watch the documentary. I'm like, why is the conversation happening? I mean, it was a good conversation, don't get me wrong, but I really love my documentaries and I really want to watch it. Okay. So we have this beautiful, poignant summary from Eric. And at this point, uh, investigators think that it is a guy named Richard Reese that her and they are not budging from this uh her younger sister witnessed the abduction cannot remember who it was all she could say was not richard Reese. and they're also not doing uh the family is is really 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 trying to keep elizabeth in the news this, they have connections, the, the church is reaching out, the best odds they have of finding their daughter is not letting anybody forget her name. So the nationwide coverage on this case was literally insane, literally nuts, okay? Her picture was everywhere. 
Now there's a phone call to police at the public library, from the public library. And they're saying, hey, Elizabeth Smart's here, come get her, okay? But Emmanuel had taken his wifeies to the library because they were trying to make a game plan to go to San Diego, California to survive the winter. Now, again, she is so abused. She has been threatened and she is in fear of her life. He has her so far broken that he can take her out in public with a veil. And she, she won't do anything because the second she says something, he could stab her. He's saying, I've got people on your house. The second you do something wrong, your family's dead. And I've gotten away with it this long. I'm not going to get caught. So this is what's marinating in the back of a 14-year-old girl's brain. Now they're in the library and a homicide detective walks up to them. Now he doesn't use Elizabeth's name, even though he's called to see if she is Elizabeth. He just starts saying, hey, there's this missing girl. Um, you know, uh, is there any way I could like peep at the kid's face just to make sure it's not the missing girl? Uh, and Emmanuel's like, mm, no can do. It's against our religion. The only people that will see her face in her lifetime are me, her father, and her husband. Now, the detective was right there. And Barzy, which we also know as Hepzibah, has a tight grip on Elizabeth's leg. Okay, this is a warning. Okay, you do anything, there are going to be dire consequences. To everyone's amazement, even like the person who called in was like, Emmanuel was so convincing that um, uh, the homicide detective left. Now, this is what sucks, okay? This poor homicide detective had her right in front of him and he had a good chance that it might be. But because of the way that the laws are written and yada, 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 the guy had to balance out reasonable cause with interfering with the people's rights to practice religious beliefs. You cannot go forcibly ripping veils off of people in the United States, okay? So there would, he wouldn't have been a cop very long if he did that. So you have to balance out procedure, cause, and all this other shit. Um, that's the only thing where I kind of go, ah, I, I kind of get it. That you were right there. You couldn't get a veil off. But uh, I, I understand what the fallout would have been if he would have ripped it off. I get it. Okay, but it's, uh, it sucks. Emmanuel returned Barzi and Elizabeth to the mountain. Okay, because he's like, ah, that was too close. So then he continually goes down to the city to keep ministering. So pretty much he's just fucking panhandling in reality. And when he was at the camp, he never stopped spewing the word of God. Now, apparently this had gone on for a while and it had taken like two or three weeks to save up enough monies to buy bus tickets to go to San Diego. The women, though, were often left without food or water for days, sometimes longer. Um, it, it, uh, they're not foragers, all right? They're not trained to live in the wild. So they have no way of collecting food or water by their own means. Like, they, they don't know. She's 14. I don't, I don't think she was at the, you know, survival camp on how to rough it, okay? Like, I don't, I don't think that happened. The only thing that was good about Emmanuel going away and leaving them without food and water means he wasn't there to rape her. That was, that was the only consolation. That was it. The police and the FBI 
only had one real suspect for the kidnapping, and that was Richard Reese. They deemed that his alibi was super sus. Just all of the sus. Reese was sus. Sus. On uh, on makeup, murder, and mayhem, she calls them suspicious. Is what she calls them. Super suspicious. That's also valid. Yeah, I like I like yours better though, because then we're not copying. Yes. Sus. Anyway, our friend Ed here had hired Reese to work on their home, and he had not been aware of the depths of Reese's crime. Well, crimes, plural, not just yeah, more than one. There were multiple. The best, the best, folks, the best. He had been tied to three other break-ins in the area, and they had the police had him safely behind bars on a parole violation, but some questioned if he could really make the jump from burglar to kidnapper. A huge volume of leads came with hundreds of investigators trying to follow up on all of them in vain. At one point, there were some 150 leads that would come in per hour. Some people believed that they had found a dead body or a place where she could have been decapitated. Multiple bodies have been turning up in the Great Salt Lake. Uh, Is this it? Is this the one? But none of them wound up matching Elizabeth. It was a stream of false hope with a total of some 39,000 leads and nothing solid to go on. On 28 August of 2002, Richard Reese goes critical after surgery from a sudden brain aneurysm. Their best lead died. Weirdly enough, though, this would have been a godsend because now the authorities have to go back and say that he was not smart enough to pull off the potential murder. Our sister here, Elizabeth, with Elizabeth's little sister, Mary Catherine, told them all of this, but of course they didn't listen. She's yeah, just duh, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we don't listen to you. you you're just the only witness we have we're, we're gonna go with our theory that you know this guy that's done nothing like this before did it mm-hmm. it reminds yeah. me of the the adage if your only tool is a hammer everything looks like a nail i think the backpedaling is like the best part. oh no he wasn't smart enough after they had all like didn't all right. so Elizabeth, Emmanuel, and Hetzibah all bus to California at this point to set up a camp in a lakeside swamp. Elizabeth kind of remarked that it resembled the fire swamp in Princess Bride. Remember, she loves her fairy tales. So it's, oh, hard. Now, Emmanuel thinks that this is a fantastic time to drink to honor their new home and the new trials ahead. He sounds like somebody that thinks every time's a fantastic time to drink, though. Yes. I'll drink to that. <laughs> well, that's his job is to drink and know things. 
used to be my job. <laughs> All right, well, at this point, Elizabeth is broken and she quit fighting it. So wound up consuming wine more willingly to help numb out the horror of her reality. No blaming here, none. Their, their like time in Lakeside would be the absolute worst for Elizabeth. By February 12, 2003, Emmanuel left Barzi and Elizabeth to starve while he ministered. She had been left without food and water to the point where she was about to die from dehydration and hunger instead of at the hands of her rapist and kidnapper, right? It was, it was going to be the lack of hydration. Your hydrate or dehydrate. Okay, th this is happening. Okay. Days later, by some act of God, because they were completely lethargic at this point, um, it started raining. So they ran out with tarps to catch the water. And then they had to ration out that water, the rainwater that they caught over the days that followed. Even after it turned green, they still consumed it because there was no other choice. It was that or you know, not have water. Emmanuel finally returns with some KFC leftovers, not sponsored. That's literally what this guy ate. Turns out he was gone so long because he was arrested and booked for breaking into a church. He was fingerprinted and gave a false name. And a week later, he got to go in front of a judge and they released him on probation because he seemed like he meant well and he was a man of God. Of course. Well, yeah, that's, it can happen to anybody. You're a man of God. You go to God's house. You think that it's yours, but they change the lock. So you break in. Garage door opener doesn't work. He gave a false name though. They didn't catch that it was a false name. It's the early 2000s. It was a wild time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, f fingerprinting and false names. They really didn't get a handle on that until late in the 2000s. Around 2010, 2011 is when they finally mastered it. Finally, the investigators go back to Mary Catherine. Okay, who was this guy again? They had been told to not harass her and to let her remember things on her own time due to her age. And she was also considered a victim. Four months after the kidnapping, she finally blurts out the name Emmanuel. The Smart family had encountered him as a clean-shaven homeless man who was down on his luck. He was asking for work while Lois had all six of her children out shopping downtown. Uh, she offered the man $5 and told her to contact her husband, Ed, because he may have some work for her or for, work for him around the house. Emmanuel showed up for work and was constantly preaching about how he was a born-again Christian who had con continuously ministered at the homeless shelters. He only worked one day with Ed and then never returned. While this was not enough to, case, enough to crack the case wide open uh, for the authorities because, you know, she's a child and... She did not word it well enough for them to follow up on. He was on no one's suspect list 
And they just sat on it, you know, for months, because why would you ever look into anything? The only witness said no. No, yeah. of course not. They treated it like a savings bond. Yeah, I love that shit mature. So where were we? Oh, yes. They sat on it for months, just in case the family was instructed to not go public with the information because it could push Emmanuel into hiding. Richard Reese advocates or were still looking for a body at this point. They figured she had been raped, murdered, and buried in the desert somewhere. They were also pushing the smart family to have a memorial service for Elizabeth, but her mother Lois just wasn't having that shit. We have a John Welsh here, and he had been in contact with the family. He's an American television personality, a crime investigator, a victim rights advocate, and the host and creator of America's Most Wanted, which is coming back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody knew that, but it I is coming not. back. Yes, I believe it's on Fox, not sponsored. And even if they offered us money, we probably wouldn't take it because fuck Fox. No, but they're actually bringing in a new host for it with John Welsh's blessing. I haven't researched the guy yet. It's not Drew Carey, is it? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. John is also known for his anti-crime activism, which he became involved in after the murder of his son, Adam, in 1981. He was the only one with enough balls to help the family fly in face of the investigators and release Emmanuel's name with a sketch. I put lyrics in there for you from Jay and Silent Bob. If you didn't catch it. I, I do see them, yes. Oh, I'll do it for you then. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. Fuck, fuck, fuck the police. They were standing out on the curb and they were just doing the thing. But the- <laughs> <laughs> there was a breaking point where the family go, where, where John Welsh and the family's like, fuck this. The police don't know what they're doing. We're, we're going to do this ourselves. Like, I think it was on CNN or one of the night shows when he went on it um, to, to say, hey, there's this guy, Emmanuel, and we've got a sketch. And they, the family, right, the people working with the family hired a police sketch artist to make the sketch since the police would not send in their own sketch artist. Okay. That's how much effort they had to put in by themselves at this point. Now, this was a good thing. Okay. This was a good thing because two weeks after that hit the media, a strong lead finally came in. So we got this guy named Tom Holbrook and his wife, Lisa. Now, Lisa is Emmanuel's sister, and they tell him what the real name is. This fucker's name is Brian David Mitchell and his crazy wife, Wanda. That's Hetzibah, okay? There was why a they ro- always, oh, I was going to say, why do they always have three first names? Oh, yeah, I never trust, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. There was an arrest report on file when Brian claimed to be Emmanuel after he was arrested for stealing $52 worth of batteries, beer, and a flashlight. 
the necessities. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Well, this was this happened on the August before he took Elizabeth. Now, the police were not happy because the family made their own wanted posters and they put them up in the police departments and a couple other places. And the police were like, no, no, no. We only want this guy for questioning. He is not a suspect. He was a failed shoplifter. How could he be a master kidnapper? Sound familiar? <laughs> How do you go from one extreme to the other? Or, you know, mildness to an extreme, it don't matter. The FBI's like, fuck you, police in Salt Lake. We believe all of this shit. So they released photos of Brian to John Walsh for America's Most Wanted. Episode 708, which aired on March 1st, 2003. It was the second story before the first commercial break. Okay. Yeah, I looked this shit up. The, once that hit, that's when the domino started to fall. Okay. Thank you, America's Most Wanted. The, it's proof that this show is valuable and it needs to come back. But yeah, Brian's ex-wife calls in after seeing America's Most Wanted. Now, they had gotten a divorce. Oh, wait, wait. Guess why she divorced Brian? Pedophilia? He molested her daughter. Yep. I did not even read the notes. I was just guessing. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, the, uh, the ex-wife also explains that Brian and Wanda are con artists. Once that episode also hit, all four of Wanda's children, which are Brian's stepchildren, come forward and get interviewed, and they say that Brian is more than capable of committing this crime. Now, serious effort goes into finding Brian David Mitchell, and more tips come in about seeing the trio, thinking that they were originally a religious cult. They stuck out in people's minds. So they're like, oh yeah, I saw him here. No, I saw him here. In the beginning of March, okay. <clears throat> Brian, who does not have a TV, thinks it's time for them to move again. Now he considers New York or Boston. Now Elizabeth, oh, she, oh, she finally gets inspired to manipulate him back. So she plays into his ego and suggests that they return to Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. He should ask God because he is his servant and his prophet, and she is a nobody. So she know that God wouldn't speak to her. But if he asked God, you know, maybe he could give them a blessing to go back to, to Salt Lake City. Now, okay, so if, if I were him, I'd be like, Oh, she's mine now. She believes I'm a servant and a, a prophet of God. Yeah. So he goes off into the wherever and communes with God. And then he comes back like a day later and he goes, I had a revelation. God told us to go back to Salt Lake City. So Elizabeth suggests that this should be a good experience for her to um, practice hitchhiking because she's never got to do it. Right. And they didn't have a lot of money. And Brian goes, Okay, so he purchases for her a cheap gray wig and like dollar sunglasses, okay? And they must have looked ridiculous 
even without their robes because it was really hard for them to get brides and they wound up having to walk for miles. Somewhere around March 12th, they just go fuck it and they get on a bus and that's how they get back to Salt Lake City and they start walking up State Street. Now, two different calls come in. One is to the police and one is to America's Most Wanted, okay? And they're all about seeing them. They're like, hey, there's your strange motherfucker, Emmanuel, and he's just walking down the street with two ladies. The police cars swarm all over that shit. And Brian gives the false name of Peter Marshall. He also goes on to explain that they have no earthly possessions because they gave them up to be messengers of Jesus. That's why they don't have IDs. When they run the name, nothing comes up in the database. When they run the names of his wife and his daughter, there's nothing in the database and the birth dates aren't giving them shit. But he's like, no, 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 nobody talk to my daughter, okay? No one speak to her, I speak for her. Now, responding officers saw how nervous she was. And it was super obvious that this little girl did not have gray hair. So they slowly start separating her from the group. Okay, now Elizabeth is trained at this point to say she was raised in Florida and had just recently joined her father and her stepmother in the past year to help spread the word of God. Again, I'm just I'm reminding everybody she was starved and raped every day. Her family was under threat of murder or that he would take her little sister as another wife. Now she knows that this is possibility because he took her and got away with it. How many times were they super close and didn't find her? So she's broken at this point. This went on for nine months. She was terrified that no one believed who she was and she thought that they would re-release her to her captors, okay? I'm, I'm, I say this a lot because there was a lot of victim shaming. Why didn't you run? Why didn't you run? She's a freaking child. You get raped and beaten and starved for nine months and let's talk about your mental state. How about that? So this cop gets a little flyer out of the back of his car and he holds it up to his face and he goes, yeah, you're Elizabeth. You're Elizabeth Smart. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I think in the made for TV movie, she gave the name Augustine or something. And she does this for 45 minutes, denying who she is. Finally, they go, fuck this. We're out in public. We're causing a scene. So they handcuff all three of them and put them in three different police cars. Once they get in the car, the officer turns to her in the backseat and he said, okay, kid, this is your last chance to tell us that you're Elizabeth Smart. And she finally goes, thou sayeth. Now she says this to cover up if somehow Brian can miraculously hear her in a different car with both the doors closed. She was trained to say uh, thou in the camp instead of you. There was no you, there was no I, there was thou this, thou that, thou shall eat, thou shall go to the bathroom. It's all thou. Police go, thou safe, good enough for me. And Wanda and Brian get arrested for aggravated kidnapping and aggravated sexual assault though they never confess and attempt to maintain their religious thought. The court has, the court requested that Mitchell undergo a competency evaluation. 
based on his claims of being a religious prophet, which I find weird based upon where they were. Uh, and while awaiting the evaluation, Mitchell was incarcerated at the Utah State Hospital. Dr. Stephen Golding, a psychologist hired by the defense, distinguished between zealous belief and delusion, and it was concluded that Mitchell's beliefs transcended zeal and were in fact a delusion. It is it was Golding's Golding's opinion that Mitchell was not competent to stand trial as a result of his delusions. The court, however, superseded the opinion and found Mitchell to be competent to stand trial in 2004. Plea negotiations subsequently began between the defense and prosecution. The defendant was willing to plead guilty to kidnapping and burglary for a 10 to 15 year sentence on the condition that Elizabeth should not testify. The prosecution refused to drop the sexual assault charges against Mitchell, and no agreement was reached. Dr. Jennifer Scheme, a psychologist who initially stated that Mitchell was competent, interviewed Mitchell again per the defense's request in February 2005. After this interview, uh, let's see here, Heidi Bucci, Bucci? Bucci? I like Bucci. Yeah, we'll go with that. Mitchell's attorney filed a brief stating that Mitchell was no longer competent to stand trial. Mitchell subsequently begins to act out in court. While the jail staff observed no change in his behavior throughout the process. Ultimately, Judge Judy, not that one, <laughs> Atherton agreed that the defendant was, I'm sorry, I screwed that all up. Not that Judge Judy agreed with the defense, asserting that Mitchell's behavior reflected psychosis. The defendant re-entered the Utah State Hospital on 11 August 2005 and remained there until 2008. While in the hospital, no staff experienced Mitchell as being paranoid in a pathological sense. In February 2006, permission to forcibly medicate Wanda Brazier. Barzi. Yeah, we'll go with that. I don't feel the need to get her name right. That's fair. Yeah, that's just, she's not worthy of correct pronunciation. Yeah, that's but kind Elizabeth, of where I am. But Elizabeth, when she tells her story, is very articulate on naming who messed with her. And that's fair. I just don't see the, I just don't see the need to remember this bitch's name. So I'm going to pronounce it however the fuck I want. Fair. You 100% have that right to do so. But Targe, but uh, I was going to try and convince or combine Barzi. You call her Barspit. Barspit works. Yeah. So permission was sought to forcibly medicate this hoe, 
relying upon the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in Cell v. the U.S. in 2003, which permits compulsory medication when the state can, can demonstrate a compelling interest is served by restoring a person's competence that medication would not harm the person or prevent him from depend defending himself. Uh, the request was approved in June. Mm -hmm. It's not done yet. On December 18, 2006, Brian was again declared unfit to stand trial in the state of Utah after screaming at a judge during a hearing, forsake those robes in yielding dust. So he's a pretty good actor, huh? huh? Doctors have been trying to treat Mitchell without drugs, but prosecutor Kent Morgan said that after the scene in court, uh, that a request was likely to be made for permission to forcibly administer drugs to him as well. Now on December 12th, 2008, uh, I think I got my dates mixed up. That's fine. Around the same time, it was reported that Mitchell could not legally be forcibly medicated by the state of Utah to restore his competency, claiming it was unnecessary and needlessly harsh. And then it violated the Utah state constitution. Needlessly and unnecessarily harsh to give this man medication. Nothing? All right. Yeah, it sucks. I'm I, I don't know. I've taken medication for a number of things throughout my life. I didn't, other than, and I'm not making the name of this up and I'll never forget it because I was five. It was called Salophilin and it was awful. That's the only time I found any medication needlessly harmful. Well, but I like my, my inhaler. I, I, I like my, you know, antihistamines so I can breathe and pollen. Uh, yeah, no, if you're delusional and trying to, if, if you say you can't walk and we have a, you can't walk because you don't have shoes and we can give you shoes. We're going to give you shoes and you can walk, fucker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're not going to get out of walk, not walking because you don't want to put on shoes. All right. So this case was eventually transferred to federal court on October 10th, 2008. The issue of competency proved to be the crux of this case. And the court held an evidentiary hearing on Mitchell's competency uh, a couple of days prior, and then again on November 30th, and then that lasted through December 11th of 2009. On one occasion during a hearing, it was reported that Mitchell burst out into singing hymns in the middle of the courtroom. Though Elizabeth was at one of these hearings, and she described Mitchell as smart, articulate, evil, wicked, manipulative, sneaky, slimy, selfish, greedy, not spiritual, not religious, and not close to God. You go, baby girl. Go. Love her for that. Competency evaluations conducted by Dr. Noel Gardner, Dr. Wellner, and Dr. DeMeyer were presented at the hearing. Now, Dr. Gardner maintained that he believed that Mitchell was fully aware of his action and was attempting to deceive the court. Now, Dr. Wellner, uh, another witness in the case, reviewed 
210 sources and 57 separate interviews with Mitchell, his wife, uh, which was Wanda, and his family and Elizabeth Smart. The court credited Dr. Wellner with presenting a 206-page report, and he was opinioned that Mitchell was competent to stand trial and diagnosed with a non-exclusive pedophilia, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, malingering, and alcohol abuse in a controlled environment. Now, Wellner believed that Mitchell was highly manipulative and used his religious expression as a way to coax people into overlooking his high, his dysfunction, okay, and dismissing him as, as delusional you know, he, he was that good at this ruse, basically. Experts for the defense, including Dr. Demeanor, a clinical psychologist, did not dispute any of these diagnoses. They maintained that he had concurrently fixed delusional disorder, believing that Mitchell was mentally ill at the time of the crime and was greatly impaired in his judgment. Fuck all that guy. Mitchell was deemed competent to stand trial the March of 2010. After... All this bullshit, it means that it took eight years from the abduction to the trial. All the while, Elizabeth kept her family, well, all the while, Elizabeth and her family, is what I meant to say, kept quiet as so not to impede the trial. Yeah, they didn't want to taint the witnesses and stuff by putting too much out there. Prosecution and sentencing of Wanda eventually pled guilty and was sentenced to concurrent terms of 15 years in state and federal prison. Mitchell's trial began on 8 November 2010. The defense acknowledged that Mitchell was in fact responsible for the crimes, but he contended that he was legally insane at the time of the crime and should therefore be found not guilty by reason of insanity. The insanity defense for Mitchell was rejected on 11 December 2010, when the jury found him guilty of kidnapping and transporting a minor across state lines with intent to engage in sexual activity. U.S. District Judge Dale Kimball sentenced Mitchell to life in prison without parole. Mitchell is currently serving his sentence at the U.S. Penitentiary in Terre Haute, a high-security federal prison in Indiana. In 2016, Wanda's federal imprisonment was, ter imprisonment was terminated, and she was transferred to the Federal Medical Center and at Carswell in Fort Worth, Texas. To, I'm sorry, she was transferred from there mm -hmm. back to the Utah State Prison in Dapper, Utah uh, to be, begin serving her state prison sentence. She was released in September of 2018, which Elizabeth protested. Oh, yeah, she had every right for that. Oh, definitely. You're, I'm missing went too. That would that would help. Elizabeth went to Salt Lake City to serve a, as a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints in Paris. 
while serving as missionaries in the parents' mission, mm-hmm. she met a Scotland native, Matthew Glimmer. He had no idea about her ordeal when they were first introduced. In January 2012, after a courtship of one year, they became engaged. They were married on 18 February 2012 in a private ceremony. And the Lei Hawaii Temple. Since then, Elizabeth has had three children, Chloe, James, and Olivia. She went on to found the Elizabeth Smart Foundation, which aims to bring an end to victimization and exploitation and sexual assault through prevention, recovery, and advocacy. She she continues to work as an American child safety advocate, advocate, advocist, activist, and a commenter for ABC News. Mm -hmm. There's your invention for the last week's dare. Advocate, activist, and an advocist. You invented a word. There you go. What blew my mind with her is she's, she's a tough fucking lady. She, while this trial was going on, she went to college she majored in her harp. She wound up dating reasonably comfortably to her parents' surprise because it was a permission situation. She got to say yes if she liked to go boy. She got to say no if she didn't. She actually received no therapy or counseling for any ordeal that she went through. She, she entirely dealt with this with, the, with her parents and through the church. But she is a huge advocate advocate for therapy um it's just amazing that she got her shit together without it i think that blew my mind even more so eric what do you think of all the the court and the insanity and the the victim shame like all of it what do you think as i said it before there's a lot to unwrap there i'll start with uh we need better mental health uh, care in this country oh yeah it's, it it's she would have never been in that situation if this guy had gotten help that he needed better diagnosis if we can recognize that he has several things wrong with him proper medication therapy whatever can be done to prevent him from doing that that to me would be step one um, i do respect all religions I'm not, and I hope this doesn't sound like I'm shitting on any of them, but he took advantage of a religious, like a religious nugget that he was a man of God. He used that to get out of a lot of things. He used it as an excuse. He used it to make a woman subservient to him, like she was a piece of property. Uh, And sadly, her experience was aided by how patriarchal this country can be throughout. And you don't want to violate his religious rights when he says that my religion prevents her from being seen by anyone. And that is such a thin razor line. But that was the only time that he 
constitutionally should have gotten away with it, but everything else was just, we're going to be stubborn. We know who we is going to do it. We have the person. We're going to ignore everything else, including an eyewitness. It was uh, a complete failure of the justice system on Elizabeth. And I didn't see this in the notes. It was something that I found up, uh, found out recently. She was on an airplane in 2018 flying and she fell asleep and woke up to a gentleman rubbing her inner thigh. She got sexually assaulted on a plane. Wow. And I can't help but think that people think that's okay because it's a woman and I'm a man and that just is not right. I, 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 I'm a hugger. I, I know the audience doesn't know me. I'm a hugger. I always ask, like, even if it's someone I've known for a long time and I've, I still ask, even if I've hugged them before, because sometimes they're, my best friend is not a touchy feely person. It, it, a lot of the problems, in my opinion, that are in not just this country, but the world are because people don't stop being dicks to each other. And if we could stop that, it would make a lot of things easier. I, I give her all the credit in the world for getting through what she did. Uh, I don't know how she saw the depravity of man and looked it in the eye and didn't blink. And now you know, she has a beautiful family. I haven't seen them. I'm just saying beautiful. Oh, they're because... beautiful. They're a beautiful okay. family. Yeah. Um, there was, um, you know, because I watch weird shit on the internet. There was like the 10 creepiest videos on YouTube. And one of them before she was found dead was on a live stream. And there was like a hand signal for like, help me. I think I uh -huh. can't remember what it is. I'm trying to do it. I can't remember, but it was two simple motions. that's supposed to universally mean help me. And yeah. she signed that on the thing. So I think it's in everybody's benefit to go look up what that ever that sign is. Cause I mean, she could have done that and he wouldn't have known, you know what I mean? So we're starting to create new things. Like there's one for domestic abuse situations or something uh -huh. where they call 911 and try to order a pizza. That means Us? that, yeah, I need, I need a pizza at the address. That's now a, a new thing that they're doing too, if you're trapped. I saw something in doctor's offices. If, they, if they're looking at a woman, they think she's being abused by the man that brought her, they will put two different color specimen cups Mm -hmm. And they will say, if you're being abused, use this cup. If you're not being abused, use this cup. So it's gotten, it's getting better. Yeah, we're finding ways. It's, it's not perfect. All right. Um, I'm done. My butt's whooped. This was a two-parter. I'm just glad I found a true, case, true crime case where the person lived. That made me happy. I, I'm sorry she was raped and I'm sorry she was starved and I, I'm sorry that the everybody did her dirty until she finally got you know finally got rescued um but thank you for living it was an easier tale to tell so that being said Kev you got any thoughts you're good which you good I'm good it are you still winning money or are you losing it is it, is it gone how's your game going uh, they need to score seven points in 46 seconds. Yeah, you're fucked. It's basketball. This could happen. Okay, you're not wrong. 
Okay, Kat, page one, two, or three. Don't I get to do my weird but true? I was waiting on that. Yeah, I skipped it. I just, I'm an asshole. Sorry, please, weird but true. Okay, there is an underground secret bunker located at Mount Weather, Virginia, intended to house the government in the case, in the case of a nuclear uh, war. This was disclosed to the public when TWA Flight 514 slammed, in the mount, slammed into the mountain close to the entrance in 1974. So now everybody knows where the secret bunker is? Yes. But knows where the secret bunker was. I'm sure they made another one. Did they, though? They're like, they're expecting us to move it, so we're going to use the same bunker anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. You had like two secret containment units. Yes. Or a two-parter. I, I, yes. I love the, the follow-through. Don't you, though? <laughs> Speaking of follow-through, make those free throws. Yeah, make those free throws. How much, how much time do you have to get seven points? Uh, 36 seconds, and it's tied. I'm not winning this one. Okay, so help me pick the a team may win, but I'm going to lose because I need them to win by six and a half. It's such an oddly specific... Couldn't you just put down was, money on I which team? Yes, but the odds are worse. I thought it was only two points, and I remember, I realized I was looking at the wrong game that I bet, and this one is six and a half. And I'm just like, shit. All right, pick me page one, two, or three. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly, non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at the Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Uh, 70s, 80s, or 90s? Oh, we gotta go with the 90s. Okay, even or odd? Even, because we did odd last time. Okay. Uh, degree of severity of difficulty. Easy or hard? Let's go with easy. Everybody's having a rough time. Okay. Dare number 100. Post your favorite quote. And who said it? Oh. That's, that's an easy dare if I've ever seen one inspire us make us laugh make us cry made me question my entire existence whatever quote is your favorite post that shit tag me in it i want to see it 
And that's it, guys. We're done. All right. Okay. So what? We've got something. Um, trying to give a keyword to hint for next week. So we got something. Because last time I said we had a smart, I had a smart episode. What do we got this time? We got something. People will go berserk for it. Oh, yeah. All right. Next weekends are going berserk. Yeah. Thanks, Eric, for the save. All right. You want to send us off? Give us, give us an outro. Give us a bye. Something. Anything. Arrivederci. I'll take it. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.